All right. Breaking news. We recorded most of the pod already. Our reactions to Brian Kelly leaving, who's going to be the next coach, kind of a look at the playoffs, but that doesn't matter now. We now have news that Marcus Freeman is the next head coach at Notre Dame, and Tommy Reese will also be staying as offensive coordinator. The youth movement is here in South Bend, and honestly, I'm fucking all for it. I am fired up. I'll tell you right now, I'm in a way better I'm in a way better place than I was at 9:30 on Monday night. That's for sure. Oh um, yeah, I, I'm very very excited with the way things panned out. Uh, we knew we talked about it earlier about like, you know, Luke Fickle was a really 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 good option on the table, uh, but that we didn't feel like we could afford to wait. Um, I'm not longer con- I'm no longer concerned about that. I really think that we got the right guy. The uh, the players in and around the program, past past current and future. Um, we're all really, really, really high on the idea of Marcus Freeman being around. And I think you know, we could do a lot of speculating as fans. You can do a lot of speculating as a, as a media person, um, you know, Pete Sampson's and Matt Fortuna's of the world. But ultimately I think those guys, those 110 guys know better than anyone else. Um, probably even better than Swarbrick, even though it's his job. Um, and it's no offense to Swarbrick, but I think we really got, I'm really, really excited about the guys that we have uh, in place. I think, this team could be this team is very very dangerous ang- angry and, and extremely motivated oh yeah i mean like you said the difference 48 hours can make i mean we were despondent 48 hours ago like what the fuck now like yeah. i am more excited for notre dame's future than i would have been in brian if brian kelly was still the coach yeah yeah uh, now, is think- that a function of you know just a new person being there it brings hope or is it because, and this is what I think, I think Marcus Freeman is the guy, like Brian Kelly kind of plateaued. I think he yeah. knew it. I think people in the locker room knew it. They knew that Marcus Freeman was a guy. We get into it later on the pod, like as to the reasons why he can bring us to the next level. But, I mean, I'm just fired up. Like I'm excited. Tommy's sticking around too, getting full control of the offense. It's awesome. Yeah. Tommy's, Tommy's got the keys, um, and he's got he's, – he's returning uh, a lot of really, really talented players. Um, that, that I think he'll be able to get really creative with. You get the best tight end in America who wasn't nominated for a postseason award in uh, Michael Mayer coming back. You have a really exciting young quarterback in Tyler Buckner, and it looks like you're going to keep Drew Pine too, given that he tweeted pay Tommy Reese, uh, yeah. which is which I I, I I don't know. I don't care what your opinion is. I'm excited. I'd be excited to have Drew Pine back in the room. Uh, I think yeah. at the very least, he's a really good addition to the quarterback room. Plus Logan Diggs and Andre Estime and Chris Tyree. Chris Tyree. Uh, and, an offen- yep. and an offensive line that's going to be better uh with with joe joe alt made a bunch of all freshman teams um and he wasn't even supposed to be our guy like fisher was supposed yep. to be our guy so now we got alt and and fisher which is great uh, i'm really excited about getting about tommy getting the keys to the offense here uh, but even more excited about having marcus freeman um at the helm i mean it, it you know it's kind of overblown like obviously one the players want the guy that they've known but Mm-hmm. I did not see like before the season. I think everyone would have said Fickle would be number one if we're in this situation. But yeah. the impression that Freeman made to have the players, I'm sure the other coaches, although they couldn't say it publicly, but the alumni who are obviously still in touch with the program, like they're not probably not going to be, you know, passing up someone they didn't play for, but they were because they're still close to the guys on the team from what they hear in the locker room, from what they hear from Coach Freeman. I mean, I'm fired up. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, I'm not sure. There's probably still some moving pieces in terms of assistant coaches, but I think you know, in terms of the core guys, Notre Dame will keep its core. They will keep the core of the recruiting class. I mean, 
it, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, think about what's coming back, right? So we talked about Tommy and we talked about Tommy and Marcus Freeman, which is massive, and that's that's what the focus should be on um, because those guys deserve a lot of credit. But you're also getting you're getting Bayless back, which is massive. Um, you yep. can see even I think that was like the biggest sticker shock to me ever was like I don't know if you remember those pictures that were posted of like Tavon Coney uh, and oh, some yeah. of the other linebackers who just looked like new human beings after one after one year with Bayless, much less three or four for some of the other guys in the room now. Um, and John McNulty just signed back on. He's our tight ends coach. Um, he's a really, really good guy from all accounts. Like everybody around around loves Coach McNulty. And obviously he, he coaches, you know, our offensive line is great, but he, he coaches arguably the best position group uh, at Notre Dame, which inherent and given that you, you have the best tight end group uh, in the country, uh, but, you know, it makes you a pretty high, highly rated position coach all, all around the country. So that's really good. I'm sure we're going to keep uh, other pieces of the staff. Uh, we got Lance Taylor there, Dell Alexander, uh, those guys, you know, I don't necessarily perceive yeah. moving. Um, I wonder, but, I wonder if Dell will stay. I wonder how close he was with Tommy. I think they came in, you know, they'd never really coached. I agree. Though that's yeah. one I'm not sure of. Jeff Quinn, by all accounts is kind of gone. I mean, he was yeah. Kelly's guy since, early days Kelly's friends with him like I really don't see Quinn sticking around that's one place like replacing an O-line coach but think about it if you're an O-line coach who's on the mark who's like looking for a job or even not looking for a job who wouldn't coach Notre Dame's young super talented offensive line room like we're gonna get a stud to come in and coach those guys so I'm not really worried about O-line coach hire especially would you be surprised if calling for his head agreed would you be would you be surprised if he stand came back uh, yes, I think he's kind of done being at the college level. I, from all accounts, that's he fair. wasn't, you know, a star yeah, recruiter. No, you know, may, maybe we bring him on as like an analyst if he just wants to be back in football. Like, you know, yeah, that's one thing that, that hopefully Freeman got some assurances from Swarbrick that, you know, there's a little bit of a bigger budget for analysts and people in the support region of Notre Dame football. And we talked about that late, you know, it, you guys will hear it later in the pod. Uh, obviously this is going to go with the front, but, um, we did talk about that. Like there were, there were certain things that, that, that Notre Dame was lacking. It doesn't, I don't, it's not making excuse for Brian Kelly, but we do lack some of the resources that other programs are willing to commit. Oh, and there he is. What's up, Mr. Waller? What's up, fellas? We got our guy. We got our guy. How are we feeling? Great. We're fucking ecstatic. I mean, there really was no other option. Credit to Swarbrick for moving fast, not playing his hand at the press conference. He didn't have to, but to get this done within 48 hours, great execution on all fronts. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I'm very, very, very excited about everything. And three I mean, words I guess, to describe your mood right now. I mean, elated, giddy, <laughs> fired up. Giddy's been a good bit. Giddy's been a big one. Also, this Tommy Reese – this Tommy Reese oh, meeting speech was phenomenal. Dude, I can't wait content, to see what Freeman has to say, but the, the videos that are going to come out are going to be crazy. And then there's just going to be a like a all of the coaches you know are just going to jab the hell out of Kelly. They're just going to keep jabbing, like whatever. It doesn't even matter. I, we got better today. We got better. Mm-hmm. I think if there's this one thing that says is that Notre Dame's success for the last five years wasn't built off. Brian Kelly. It's built off the institution 
in the people surrounding him. It wasn't built off one man seeing love how it got out publicly right away that Freeman and Reese got offered and they're both staying in South Bend. Matt Bayless got offered. He's staying in South Bend. Kelly, good luck bringing Jeff Quinn with you, man. Like, yeah, I mean, dude, his, awesome. his staff is quickly not existing. <laughs> yeah, he's like, also, boys. That also, Lennon brought it up today. To us, the, uh, there was that picture tweeted from that up from the LSU defensive coordinator uh, in house with that recruit, talking about like the excitement about bringing him in with Kelly. And I was like, <laughs> and Lennon made the point, like, dude, Kelly was trying to replace you with Marcus Freeman. For the last twenty four hours, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's like not a good sign. Also, also somebody else called this out on Twitter too, and we're not going to get we're not going to harp on on Kelly at this point because I'm really excited about the the the, ta- the the talent that we have at coach and the coaching staff with Freeman and uh, and Reese. But like Kelly said, he wanted to leave for better players. Those players went six and six this year. So yep, oh. yep, you said it. Yep. All right, let, let's wrap this up. Let people get into the actual pod. But in conclusion, I'm fired up. My mood is completely different than it was 48 hours ago, and I'm amped for whoever faces us. If you're lining up on the other side of Notre Dame, you're facing the angry-ass team this year. I'm fired yeah. up. An angry-motivated ha- team. It had to be Freeman. It had to be Freeman. Was it, was always, it was always Marcus Freeman. It was always Marcus yep. Freeman. It was always Marcus Freeman. All right, fellas. I'll talk to you guys later. Right. Enjoy the rest Freeman of the Freeman era. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat on Sunday for some for some for our bowl selection. Enjoy Freeman the era. All right. Freeman era, baby. Talk to you guys later. All right. So that was our quasi live reaction to Marcus Freeman being hired, Tommy Reese staying. Of course, that's not the only thing that happened in Notre Dame football this week. Um, there's a lot we talk about. Why Brian Kelly left? What it means for the program? Where we are? Also, we kind of assumed that Freeman was going to be the guy, so we get into what it means for Notre Dame that he's here, the impact on recruits. We do talk a little more college football, but this one's centered around Notre Dame, so here you go. So, things have happened since our last podcast. A little bit. A little bit, a little bit. The game against Stanford has obviously taken a backseat because Brian Kelly, more or less the only coach we've really known since we've been adults following Notre Dame football, is gone to LSU. I mean, just an absolute stunner. We thought it was kind of just his agent floating out stuff. I mean, what were you guys' initial reactions to it? Well, I mean, it was, it was for sure shock because, like, we thought it was a load of malarkey because there was, like, the USC rumors were like, no, he's never going to go to USC. USC made more sense to L- than LSU. So, I mean, it was just initial just crazy shock and then thinking that everybody was going to jump ship, which didn't happen, but I thought we were going to go into a free fall. I was, I was explaining – I was actually in the process of explaining to my roommate why – why Brian Kelly, the Brian Kelly LSU rumors were not serious, why they would not take foothold and why it wouldn't happen. And he, it was literally like six 30 on, on Monday or seven o'clock. And he literally stopped me in tracks. He goes, no, no, he's actually going. And I was like, no, he's not. And then that's when I kind of checked my phone and it realized it was going. So there was a lot of initial shock given that I was explaining why it wouldn't happen. Um, but yeah, it, it started. Uh, there was a chain reaction of mixed mixed, mixed emotions. But your immediate thought was like, 
God, we're closing on signing day here uh, or that early recruiting period, like things could fall apart fast. Uh, unfortunately, for as stable as a program as it's been, things could have went even further south very quickly. That was a wild couple of hours. Um, yeah. Just, I know you guys hopped on live, did a great job of like the initial reactions. But then later in the day, we had the Mick Asoff, Pat Pelini, Twitter space. I missed happened. that, yeah. It had like, – it was – I think 6,000 at its peak. Yeah, I mean 6,000 people, but like you had current, former, and future players on there as well as yeah. every single Notre Dame beat writer slash ESPN writers. Phil Jerkovic was on there. Um, Cole Komet spoke a little bit. We had a recruit speak about like why he committed to Notre Dame, not, B, like, not BK. Um, and it was just kind of surreal. Like everybody was getting the word out there. Like we had never been in a situation where we'd even had to think about another coach. hundred percent. Someone on Twitter, like we saw it floating around there. It's like, you know, like we might be too young, but you remember where you were on nine 11. You remember where you were when Osama bin Laden died. Like for, I think another one is like, I remember exactly where I was when Kobe Bryant died. Yeah. Like I know that's not the same play, like same equivalent as that on a national scale, but this had that same effect. Like I will remember just like sitting at my desk being like, Oh my God. And as I turn to my right, Brendan Smith opens my door. It's just like, Oh my God. And it's like, it was just real. Like you see the verified accounts tweet tweeting it. And we're just like, there's no way, like maybe they're wrong. Then two guys are tweeting, then three, then four. Then you, then you see him texting the players and everything is just spinning. Like you know, our minds go in a million places at once. Or you're like, it doesn't make sense. Like we're in denial mode. Like, you know, we're talking the five stages of grief. We're in denial mode. We're like, there's no way this guy who was only coached in the Midwest grew up in Boston. He's a five foot eight Irish Catholic going down to Baton Rouge. We can get into it later, how the cultural fit may not be the best down there, but I mean, it, it was literally just stunning. And every, everyone was just so confused. Group chats are blowing up. It was insane. No, it, it was wild. It was a great couple hours of content from uh, Brian Kelly trying to survive down in Baton Rouge uh, situation. Like the but memes I, have been fantastic. The memes have been the memes have been incredible. But you said we can get into it later. I want to talk about it right now. Sure. Why he left, and what it, what we think it'll look like going forward. Because like. To me, it still doesn't make sense, and I think he will regret that decision. I don't know if it'll work. The only thing I can like think of as to a, 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 any type of viable reason as to why it happened is he just wants a new challenge, and he thinks he has the economical stability to do it. I yeah, think I mean, I'm pretty sure I, he yeah, has a huge can. buyout. So, like, you know, the economic side's one part of it, but Tom, go ahead. I was going to say, I think to answer your, like, Ian, I think this question, sh the first question should be answered in two parts. There's the why, why Brian, Brian Kelly made the decision he did for himself. Um, and I feel like it was a lot of fairly selfish reasons that really upset me um, and angered me as a Notre Dame alum, as a Notre Dame fan, as somebody with friends who played on the team, friends who are on the team now, like um, to see those kids have to kind of go through that which they did not deserve. They did, they did everything they were supposed to to get, the, get themselves in a spot, uh, to get themselves in a position um, to get a college, college football playoff berth, right? They don't deserve that. But I also think the other piece of it you have to look at 
Um, and I hate to be the glass, uh, the glass of cold water here or splash of cold water here. Like there are shortcomings at Notre Dame that I think if we did not acknowledge, we'd be doing ourselves a disservice. We'd be yeah. doing uh, Notre Dame would be doing itself a disservice. There are shortcomings at Notre Dame that may have led to this. I don't think that they are reasons that you jump ship in this current moment, right? You're like, you're 11-1 on the precipice of the college football playoff with a team that has battled its ass off for the last six weeks to win a lot of really big football games uh, to get you here. I don't think the ends, uh, I don't think the ends justify the means here in that, from that perspective, but we also have to look at it because otherwise we, we would kind of be selling, we would kind of sell ourselves short on that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think, you know, and now that the terms of his contract come out and it's not $15 million a year, like, you know, that was floating around there for a little bit, like that might be hard for Notre Dame to pay, you know, $5 yeah. million more than anyone else in the sport. But it's nine and a half, and I think that's a number Notre Dame could have gotten to. And, you know, the reason I think he left without really, you know, Jack Swarbrick said in his press conference that – He didn't get a match. He didn't get a match opportunity. Yeah, he didn't get a match. And I think Kelly's like, all right, that's a good offer. I'm leaving. I'm not even going to give this place a chance. And, you know, what it comes down to, you know, one, it's the new challenge, like you mentioned, Ian. It's something new. Like, I mean, I the thought of staying at one job for 12 years right now, I mean, we're all – like 23, 24 years old. Like, that's insane for us. Like, we were prepubescent by the time, like, 12 years ago. And, you know, sometimes, you know, as good as it is, the pay's good. Like, things are going good. Maybe he just, like, honestly got bored. And it's just like, I need a new challenge. Like, test my abilities. And, you know, LSU's going to be a test for sure. I I think that's what it is. I do think he – like, Swarbrick, I was shocked, and I didn't ever think that he, like – was really eyeballing other places, but Swarbrick kind of mentioned that he actually had been putting out feelers a little bit. Like he was less surprised than we were. And I, I, I do think he just got bored. And I think our pride gets in the way a little bit of like, how could you leave this place? Especially when you have the program where it is. Then again, like is LSU the right job for him? I don't, I don't know if it is. Um, I know the contract makes sense, but I don't know. I it just the the cultural fit is crazy, and what works for him as a coach is like program continuity, program structure, program stability. Having guys that buy in, at like, and that's just not what LSU is. LSU, you kind of catch lightning in a bottle every couple of years. Yep. Yeah. I will say, I think I think there's a few points to be made off of, off kind of what you guys just said too. Like, so as far as as far as the, like the shortcomings, I think on our end that I kind of want to touch on. Uh, I think they're major uh, and they're worth discussing. Uh, Samson and Fortune actually called these out and that's kind of where I took them from, but I think they're worth repeating. Uh, facilities like at Notre Dame, I think these are reasons that, that you could cite as fair reasons because there's programs that we are better than on the football field that have way more heavily invested in these in these facilities. And if we could do that too, I would, I would imagine that that would kind of help help where we're trying to go. But the facilities, especially the Goog, like I hear a lot of complaints about the Goog. Uh, yeah. It's not big enough. The weight room is not big enough. The training room is not big enough. Uh, well, it's crap. And, and you, share the, you share the Goog with every other athletic program. You share the Goog with it's almost every other athletic program, right? Yeah. And they don't have a training table, right? So basically you're saying that in every other school, major college football school in the country, 
kids are getting fed specific meals every night. You know, we, they had training table for athletes when we were freshmen and a lot of people were up in arms about that and it got taken away. And I think that ultimately kind of hurt because that is something that a lot of other programs in the country have. Uh, private travel for coordinators. Um, that is something else Notre Dame does not currently have. Um, it's something that you think would be achievable and attainable, uh, but it's not something that we currently have. So when Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese go on the road, they are not, they are kind of at the liberty of, of a specific budget with commercial flights, with, you know, hopping out, hopping on a flight out of South Bend, connecting through Chicago or Detroit and going from there. Right. Um, so that kind of hurts because there are definitely programs around the country, major college football programs that get their assistance, private flights. And then the other one too, uh, this was something that was major that Kelly, uh, Kelly really had to push for was a mental performance coach. Um, she's, I think it's her name's Amber Selkie or Selking. Um, yep. And she does, she's done a really good job. A lot of people have sung her praises massively. I think there's one like really, really positive case that comes out of Bo Bauer. Right. But that was something that Kelly had to push for immensely to get. It was not something Notre Dame was all that keen on adding from a staff perspective. Um, once it did, once it did get added, obviously the value showed, but like that was, there was a few things that noted that Kelly really, really had to push on that other programs had that Notre Dame is reluctant to give. So I just want to make those points clear that like, there are, there are things that Notre Dame can do better to support as big of a program as is there, there are things Notre Dame can do better to support their football team. With that yeah. said, I think Kelly leaving was a pretty selfish decision. Um, I agree. I don't really see the fit. Um, I think he's walking out on a lot of guys who had a lot of love and respect for him and would bend over backwards to do things for him. Um, and I think it's that, that the personal side of things, I think it really, really upsets me because I don't think this was exclusively about football operations. I think this was a, this was a very big personal decision for him. Uh, and the way he handled it is is pretty frustrating. I, I think, like, to comment on those, sorry, D, like, to comment on those, you're right. Those are all downfalls, and maybe this is, like, a wake-up call for – Yes, like, that's what I was trying to get at, right. Like, like this is a wake-up call that can be addressed. Also, the other part, like, he left a lot of – I think the coordinators and his staff was mm-hmm. pissed. They were yeah. really pissed because he didn't tell them anything. And they followed him there. Well, and then he just assumed that they'd up and leave with him. I don't know the players, former players, and like, the like they're almost are just like they're almost like yeah. I mean, like that, like they're not surprised. They're like he's a business guy. He's a like he's just like take the best didn't, offer kind of guy. Didn't feel like they had very personal relationships. Then. No, and, and they 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 were like that's not surprising out of him, and it just kind of like makes sense. And it's something that he would do. The current players were like, whatever, dude, like, screw you. They have much more attachments to their coordinators. The coordinators and his coaching staff was livid, I think. Yeah, I think that's that's kind of pre- – uh, I think there's a story that um, I, that I can share, too, from Sunday, actually, after the Stanford game. Like, Sunday after the Stanford game, he spent – Kelly and the staff spent time in San Francisco. They, uh, they golfed in San Francisco and then were at a party afterwards. And people who were at that party were just saying like everything seemed fine. Like it was it was no problem. Every like every basically the news that came the next day blindsided everybody in attendance, uh, except for Ryan Kelly. Uh, yeah. so that's that's just to say like 
he went about his business Sunday like there was nothing wrong, like there was nothing going on. And from all indica- indicators, which I think this is, there's some good, some bad. He went on and recruited Monday. He was in people's houses on Monday mm-hmm. recruiting. Um, so to say that the staff was blindsided, I think is an understatement. Like I really think they were depleted on this one. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, if he's in someone's living room at 4 p.m. on Monday telling them to come to Notre Dame and then flipping the switch and 12 hours later he's on the flight back to South Bend to tell the team that he's leaving, like that's just a shitty-ass move. Yeah, like it, it, it's unbelievable. I mean, yeah, and like you said, like the coordinators as well, like coordinators, assistant coaches, support staff, you know, all around the program. It's that, you know, those people, they're blindsided and now they're wondering, like, am I going to have to find a new job? And these, these are people whose livelihoods and their families depend on, you know, the stability that he's brought. There were no hints and he just doesn't alert them. And now they're caught blindsided and they're like, am I going to be able to put food on the table next year? Like, what job am I going to be able to find? You know, it's a scary thought, and that's why it's such a shitty move from Kelly. But D, I'm sorry, real quick, I want to I want to let you finish. But to that point that you just made, like you and I both talked to Colin Gutsmer, and mm-hmm. what he said about Bayless, like really struck a chord with me. Uh, I think his quote was like Colin went and saw him before after lift, and like Colin almost cried talking to him, and Bayless basically said to him and the team, like, uh, I, I hope to die a Notre Dame coach I pray to God I get the chance to continue to, to coach you guys uh, and like to me he didn't know that he didn't know he didn't know yet that he was staying yeah he mm-hmm. this was 6 a.m Tuesday morning this was I think this was prior to the meeting uh to the meeting on Tuesday morning with Kelly um so that was just I think that kind of speaks to the point that D made I'm D I'm sorry I cut you off but continue yeah, I mean, let's start to flip this towards, you know, what this means for Notre Dame. Because, I mean, it's – obviously, Brian Kelly's a shithead. Hold um, on, hold on. I want to talk about the Tuesday morning meeting. Okay, yeah, let, let's hit that first. Okay, so here's my – again, I'm going to qualify it first by saying this Tuesday morning meeting may have been regularly scheduled. I like – I think all of those – Yeah. Like, them get – the whole hoopla about them getting up at 7 a.m is par for the course. I don't put too much stock in that. Like I said, I think they were up for lift anyways. Um, Kelly and the staff were supposed to be recruiting this week, so there was not going to be any actual practice. They were just lifting all week this week. So the whole 7 a.m. meeting is, like, not the part that ticked me off. The fact that he was in and out, you know, the speech itself, which I, I think we all heard on – I sent the video to you guys. The, the speech we heard on, on YouTube that, I, that somebody recorded was three minutes and 40 seconds. And he was out of the goog by seven eleven. Like hey, that's a pretty long time for some people, right? <laughs> right, my bad. And then I mean, so it, it sounded like a it sounded like a dad like telling like his eleven year old that like mommy and daddy were getting divorced and it wasn't their fault. They didn't do anything wrong. Like treat these dudes like adults. And he did not finish it up with anything like, "Hey, my line's always open." He's like, no. "Good luck to you guys." It felt it felt the whole thing felt very disingenuous. Very very disingenuous. Yep. I mean, he's a politician. He I, is. I think that proved it at the end of the day. I mean, so the there, fact that he's just like, see ya. There's, there's definitely Brian Kelly has gotten this program to the best place, the healthiest spot it's been in in a very long time. Through some good times, through some bad. And like, yes, we owe a lot to him, whatever. That doesn't mean we can't hate him at this point and going forward. Like, that doesn't mean that we have to root for him. We can acknowledge that, but I don't think there's any reason that we have to 
like him. Like I was watching a soccer game today, and it was Jack Grealish at Man City, and he left Aston Villa on a big signing fee to go to Man City, and then he was back at Villa today, and he got booed every time he touched the ball. That didn't make sense to me because Villa and City are not – that's not a natural progression. Or that, or that that is a natural progression. Like, like he, that was him taking the next step in his career. Like, Notre Dame to LSU was not a natural progression. Like, it, he just didn't it, – like, it's still FU. Like, we do not have to like him going forward. I, and I think the biggest FU here is basically a, – a, 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 he quit, which yeah. I don't a, have, At a terrible time. At a terrible time. He bought, bottom line, he quit. He quit on this team, and he quit on the program, and he quit on the school, and, and that's really frustrating. The other part of it, too, is well, he didn't come out and say this. He'll never come out and say this. But I think what he said in that whole hype, in that whole meeting, in his meeting with the LSU team today that came out, like, he he genuinely, he, he genuinely didn't think or doesn't think that Notre Dame can acquire the talent they need to win. Yeah. And look, look, I think there probably is a case that could be made. There are limitations at Notre Dame that prevent you from getting some of the best athletes in the country in there. But damn, are we close, man. Like, mm-hmm. we're close. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying it's happening this year. I'm not saying it's happening next year. But holy shit, have we made big steps to close the gap in the last, in the last few years. Are we yep. – I, I again, I don't think this team is a championship caliber team. But are we one – Playmaking five-star quarterback away, maybe. Yeah, I think we're we're a piece. Or, yeah. It just feels like we're a piece or two away, and, and and we were getting damn close, and he quit on it, and that sucks. And he's telling those guys in the locker room that he didn't think they were good enough, which yeah. is really really frustrating for me. Yeah. So here, here's how I think about it. And we kind of transition off of this. Is Brian Kelly ultimately looked himself in the mirror and said, "I can't win a national championship at Notre Dame." There's really two ways to look at that sentence. And most people will look at the back half and say, Notre Dame's the problem. Like, you know, there's all the limitations, academics, cold weather, blah, blah, blah. Listen to Colin Coward if you want to hear the whole fucking list. Um, but then there's the first part of it. It says, I can't win a championship at Notre Dame. Not that anyone can't, but he's been around the program for 12 years. He knows it inside and out probably better than just about anyone at this point and he's saying in to win a Notre Dame the head coach there has to be someone who's energetic who's going to get after it on the recruiting trail hire the right coaches and then obviously also be a good football mind you know in that sense yeah it kind of is harder than other programs and I think we've seen that with Marcus Freeman and the way he targets recruits you know you can't just only target guys from the Midwest Catholic high school guys have Notre Dame in front of them their whole lives. It's going out to Hilton Head, South Carolina, for someone like Jalen Sneed, five-star linebacker. Someone who, in the past, I don't think we would have targeted, to be quite honest. Like, it just wouldn't have been on our radar saying, oh, he's going to Carolina or Clemson. Marcus Freeman doesn't take that as an excuse for not being able to recruit a kid. And Jalen Sneed's going to be a great fit at Notre Dame. You know, God willing, he still comes, but I think, in, you know, obviously talent's a little bit of the issue of why we're not competing. I think it's the number one issue is why we can't compete with Georgia, Alabama right now. And Brian Kelly just, I think he's 60 years old and says, I don't want to hop on a plane, fly across the country, do all of this, commit all of my time in the offseason to this recruiting. He's like, I want to fucking play golf in the offseason, meet with boosters and then hang around, maybe drive two hours to meet with a recruit. And 
And that's why you're saying I can't win a national championship in Notre Dame. He doesn't want to put in the necessary effort. You need someone who's younger, like Marcus Freeman, who's candidate number one right now, and that's who everyone wants. Everyone wants the current players, former players, anybody who's ever spoken to them, but most importantly, this recruiting class. I think most importantly, like this recruiting class. Um, and it just speaks to how important he is to this program. Like Bayless, he's the backbone of this program. But he instantly took this program to another level recruiting-wise. We felt it right and, away. We, right we talked away. about it. As soon as he got in, as soon as he got in, we landed, we were landed bigger crews. Took him like a week. So yeah. my biggest fear right away when we lost Brian Kelly was that we would then lose Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman reacted in a way that makes me love him even more. And even if, like, we talked about this, even if it's not, this is the why it has to be Freeman part of the podcast. Yeah, I think we all have a bunch of different points to make on this, but we have to keep him with our program. And if we don't make him head coach, we are at big jeopardy of losing him. Yeah. I think to Ian's point there, I think losing Kelly sucked, but Kelly and the people around him, this is not just a Kelly thing over the last 11 or 12 years. Like, Clark Lee deserves credit for this. Uh, Mike Elko might even deserve some credit for this. Like, Chip Long probably deserves some credit for this. Tom, maybe not. Tommy Reese and Marcus <laughs> Freeman deserve credit for this, but this program is as stable as it's been in a very, very long time. So while losing the losing the head coach rocks the boat a little bit, it doesn't sink the ship. It means that Marcus Freeman and Tommy Reese and Brian Pullian and everybody else in the building until they find a new leader, which is kind of what Swerver was saying, right? He believes in the players and he believes in the coaching staff that we have there until they find a new, um, until they find a new head general there, they can keep things steady, which is great. They can keep things stable. We don't have a mass exodus with recruits. We don't have a bunch of kids entering the transfer portal. You don't have a bunch of coordinators and coaches leaving. As a matter of fact, a lot of them said, F you, I'm not coming to Baton Rouge, even if you want me. Um, which is great. So I think that, that that kind of reflects really, really well in our program. But I did agree with Ian that while losing Kelly hurt, a straw that breaks the camel's back is losing Freeman. Um, and I'd even argue – I mean, I, I don't want it this time, Reese. I just don't think he's ready to be a head coach. But, like, I don't want to lose Reese, though, either. I, I oh, that's really, fair. really, really like him as a play, play caller. I think he's done a really good job recruiting. I think I, li- I like his youth, and I like his adaptability. His, willing to cha- his willingness to change how he's going to call a game or how he's going to call a game for a season based on his personnel is something that I've been really, really happy and excited about. So losing those mm-hmm. two, keeping those two coordinators, hopefully the D.C. gets promoted to the head coach, is – should be of the most of most importance and keeping the strength coach, which we've already done. So that's good. Yeah. So one thing for the longest time, if you think over the last 25 or so years, probably going back to the post Holtz era is that the number one thing, honestly, it goes back even further than that. Cause some of the failures in like the seventies, you think of a Jerry Faust is, you know, everyone said in order to be the head coach at Notre Dame, you have to have head coaching experience. And, I think in 2021, that doesn't hold true. I think in order to be the head coach at Notre Dame, you have to know what you're getting into. You have to understand Notre Dame and be ready to pitch it and work with the administration there and know all the ins and outs of why Notre Dame isn't an LSU, why it's not a football factory like some of these schools. 
I think the most important criteria is understanding Notre Dame. And that's what separates Marcus Freeman. He's only been here a year. Yes. But if you hear him speak about any, he got it from day one, what Notre Dame was. His, his, his people skills are just, are, are unmatched. His, you have the point there about like knowing Notre Dame and being able to sell Notre Dame and understanding Notre Dame. There's also the side of and, and this came up. I actually I'm waiting to hear. Uh, I'm waiting to see a tweet from Pete Sampson. Basically, is what is what we're waiting for today, uh, which we can get to in a minute. But like Sampson just retweeted something from Freeman about an interview that he did with him this summer. Basically, Freeman explaining how you have to know the person you're talking to, and the more that you can relate to the person you're talking to, the easier job you're going to have recruiting them to come to your school. So Freeman's flexibility and adaptability on the recruiting trail, as far as knowing who he's speaking to, what their background is, um, where they come from. Like that is almost equally as important as knowing what Notre Dame is and understanding what Notre Dame is. Those two, in order to be successful, I genuinely believe you have to have, you have to make those work in tandem, which Freeman has done an expert job of. So we talked about like kind of the cycles of this and like we were in grief, like I'm moving into the, the part of excitement and thinking about Marcus Freeman because as you said, like he doesn't sink the ship and there's continuity and everything kind of holds together, but there's also change in what he is. Like Brian Kelly was a CEO, didn't really connect with his players, looked down on the program from the top and made sure everything running, was running smoothly. Marcus Freeman is in there every day connecting with players, and I don't think that style is really going to change. Obviously, the role changed a little bit if you're the head coach, but mm-hmm. he is going to lead the program differently than Brian Kelly well, I think maintaining a lot of the things that Brian Kelly did well, because he was a lot of the reasons, or he was a lot of the things that Brian Kelly did well. Like, yeah, there is an excitement. I know it sucks losing Brian Kelly, but there is an excitement where that last missing piece might just be a little energetic boost at the top of the program. Yeah, he kind of represents, you know, aside of what Brian Kelly did well, is surround, you know, he as a CEO, he surrounded the players with the right people. Right, And if Marcus Freeman can do that from the top and also be one of those people, because Brian Kelly really wasn't, you know, as a 22 year old, like I, you know, we heard that on mixed live streams, like no one really would go into Mark or Brian Kelly's office and go and talk to him. Like if they needed something like, you know, Marcus Freeman from all accounts is that dude, like you don't see Brian Kelly dapping everyone up before the game. You see him give him the handshake on senior day. And that's like about it. What did every defensive kid post? What did every defensive player? A picture of them picture. dapping them up. Picture of them dapping up with a smile on their faces. Like they want to play for this dude. The smile like, and the Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly not winning the big games, like because he's got these guys ready to play, but they're not playing for him. Like they're playing for their teammates. Like, what if we got a guy that are playing for their teammates and are playing for their head coach? Like it could just yep. be an extra boost. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's exactly I it. The, the biggest loss, like the biggest downside of making Marcus Freeman head coach is losing him as defensive coordinator. I agree. Yeah. He'll I still agree. be very, very involved, at least for the first few years, I would say, because I, I think as you get older as a coach, you kind of shift out. Now, I think Kelly definitely still had a hand in the offense, but I, I think in, you know, Tommy Reese had, I'd say, 80% control over the offense. Yeah. And I think, you know, we might see Marcus have, you know, 30%-ish of the defense. I mean, he's going to want to run his system. Yeah. You know. Just like Kelly wanted to run his when he first came in, and obviously, you know, he didn't really want to involve, so he hired someone else to do it for him. I also think that's one of the attractive things for Tommy Reese. 
if Marcus Freeman's head coach, Tommy's going to get 100% of the offense. Mm-hmm. So, I think I will... obviously Tommy loves Notre Dame. Like, he's from Chicago. Like, once again, I don't see these type of people wanting to be in Baton Rouge. No. I will say, too, that to your, to your point there about Freeman keeping his system, I, I don't really find – I hope he – like, I don't know who's going to make his DC. I, I, maybe, maybe it's Helston. Maybe it's somebody else if it's going to be Freeman. Um, but I, I, I really liked his system. I, obviously, we struggled in Florida – struggled with Florida State. Toledo probably put up more than they should have. We let Purdue run a little wild. Um, Tech Tech had a good day, but like the last month of the seat, last back half of the season here, like once the players who who were brand new to the system, once the, once the players kind of settled into the system, we started tackling better. We forced more toner. We we forced more to- more turnovers. Uh, we gave up two two touchdowns the entire month of November, and they were in the second half against Stanford. Right, like yes, we played worse teams. But I think the guys really started to settle in, and I'm A-OK marching forward with Freeman's system as long as he's got somebody who can help him call the plays and keep it implemented because, you know, moving to the head coaching position means there's going to be a lot more on your plate. Mm-hmm. And circling back, you know, Marcus Freeman, obviously he's not the only candidate. You know, Tommy Reese, like we've touched on him. I think we know he's, he's too young. Like I can see Tommy Reese being a head coach at Notre Dame. You talk about the other guys out there, a Luke Fickle, a Matt Campbell. You know, what do you think there? I think you know, there's just been no smoke behind those names, and I think for good reason. The, the timing didn't add up. Like The issue for Luke Fickle, who has kind of been like quietly coaching waiting a little bit for a couple big jobs, sucks that this, is, this year wasn't last year for him in the playoff. Like If they were not still in playoff contention – He'd be interviewing on Notre Dame campus right now. It also sucks for him that Marcus Freeman knocked it out of the park in his one year in South Bend. Like those yeah. two things didn't add up. He kind of is not going to get lucky the way this cycle's working because he's such a good coach and he has his team in the playoffs. We can't afford to wait the month it's going to take to get Luke Fickle on campus. I think so either. I think there's. I think there's really like I would be pretty happy with Luke Fickle being next. So would I. I yeah. but I agree with Ian. I just. I don't think you can afford to wait. I would be pretty angry if Matt Campbell was next the head, as the next head coach, which was no. mind-boggling today because we heard that like there was a pretty solid faction in the Notre Dame camp who thought Matt Campbell should have been the guy, and we were like, "Why? Just yeah. why? Why, man?" Yeah. Like, I, I think maybe if this happens last year, you would hear a lot more Matt Campbell smoke coming off a New yeah, Year Six yeah. win. You know, basically, I, I think he won the Big Twelve, right? Yeah, he won the Big Twelve. Yeah. And you know there would be a lot more smoke, but now it's like a seven and five with all your best players as seniors in the Big Twelve. It's like, you and know, you and made that comment about the freaking yes. yeah, yeah, and you it's made that comment about the conference championship. What do you win. mean? Yeah, I, dude. I, I know we don't play for conference championship, but what do you like? It doesn't matter. Yeah. I, still, I, I, I still intend to win all our football games. Matt Campbell didn't excite any of us, right? Like that didn't excite any of us because, like, yeah, he did a decent job with Iowa State, and it's a tough program to get a ton of wins with. But we're not Iowa State, and I think people saw some comps. We're not. I we are not Iowa State. No, and absolutely I, I, not. I just don't. I don't. I don't like that hire at all. And as you said, Slav, I would be very, very happy with Luke Fickle. He's a very, very good football coach, and the only Broken. thing that he doesn't have is or the only thing going against him is we can't afford to lose Marcus Freeman. Who I think if Luke Fickle took that job, Marcus Freeman would go back to Cincinnati. Yeah. Yep. 
and we just can't um, afford to lose Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Also, we should we should qualify everything that's that's happening here. I think me, D, and everybody else, I mean, I'm sure you have as well, turned on notifications for Samson. There, it's yeah. six thirty. 6.30 Eastern on Wednesday, and we there are some major rumblings out of South Bend that uh, Freeman Freeman's going to be our guy. So that's kind of where our focus has been and, and why we're kind of focusing on Freeman and maybe not some of the other candidates that were mentioned. But, um, you know, got some pretty solid, pretty solid um, people saying that this is probably the direction that we may just be waiting on a signature from, uh, from Father Jenkins, who happens to be in Rome today, Rome. <laughs> visiting the Pope, which could be about as good of an omen as you could possibly need. Uh, if there's going to be a fax machine and a signature involved, may as well be the one. Uh, yeah, does the Pope the have Vatican. a fax machine? Does the Pope I'm, have a fax machine? I'm okay. sure we could do some DocuSign type. type uh, he's, got a, he's got a pigeon. He's got the best pigeon in the game. <laughs> a a cross-Atlantic pigeon, huh? Yeah. Attach it to a fucking albatross. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's why we're focusing on in on Freeman here. Um, that's I, I really hope. Oh, Tyler Buckner did hashtag pay Tommy Reese. Oh, let's go. Yeah, I, I think the hashtags going around are hire Freeman, pay Tommy Reese, which is fine by me. I think I, those are two things I can get behind. They also go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. They do go hand in hand. Yeah, one of the things that also stood out to me, you know, about Tommy, and, you know, it's been written about in articles before, but Ian Book said Tommy's the best coach he's ever had. Tommy's also a guy who's going to relate to players. Uh, he's recruiting. We're up there with, like, you know, I know Steve Angeli in the next class isn't the highest-ranked guy, but I think we were a little behind recruiting because quarterbacks, you got to start recruiting them their freshman year pretty much. Yeah. And Tommy wasn't really with us back then. So, you know, I think 2023, we're involved with a bunch of really good names. And – because Tommy's just a guy who's going to get after on the trail. Maybe not to the extent Freeman will, because I don't really see Tommy as like, that's another thing about Tommy's. I don't see him as like kind of the people charmer. You know, he's probably a super fun dude to chill with. He's a straight he's shooter. Not be, he's not going to, yeah, he's a straight shooter. He's not going to bullshit yeah. people. No, no but which is I, also, good. I also feel with, with Freeman at the helm, I, I think this, this would take Tommy willing to, Except a little bit more responsibility here, but with Freeman at the helm, he may get a kick in the ass. Tommy may get a kick in the ass here that says, like, hey, man, like, we're so close. Like, if you can give me even 1% more in recruiting or 2% more in recruiting, um, that that could pay major, major dividends, right? Like, and, and that would be really nice to see, too, because that's Freeman's, that's Freeman's shtick here is, like, we're going to outwork everybody in recruiting. And he's proven that himself. And I think he goes above and beyond. As most coordinators do, but he goes above and beyond what most coordinators do. So uh, yeah, I think that, um, yeah, I think that could be helpful for Tommy. From the, they're from gonna the, have a nice little partnership though. Like they both got yeah, I think over. so too. They're both three pissed, and like Tommy's gonna have another like he will yeah. light a, like a fire under his own ass after this. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's BK tried to get him, and he was like, "No, I you. That's one thing about this is you know playoffs or not, no matter who we play in the bowl game, this team is going to be pissed off. Not only this year, the rest of this year, whatever, our last game, last two games, they're going to be pissed off all off season, And they will show up to Columbus a pissed off, energized team. I think that's all you could like. I think this, you know, if we hire Freeman, you know, make the right choice here. Um, I see us going into Columbus with a better shot maybe than we would Brian Kelly. Because, you know, if you keep Freeman and Tommy, 
does that really change any of the guys who are considering leaving? Does that change their decisions? Like for the negative? I think if anything, it changes it for the positive. Yeah. They're just gonna they're gonna know even more so what they're getting yourselves into. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you're Kyron, I'm sure you'd love playing for Tommy if we keep Lance Taylor around too. And then defensive side, like I'm sure Foskey loves playing for Freeman. Like the dude's gotten him into positions to get ten sacks most in Notre Dame in a while. Like yeah. yeah, most it's like Justin Tuck. Like that's that's a pretty yeah. good company. That's really Bayless has Bayless has got himself some bulletin board material. Like sometimes you're scratching at it, not not really sure what to put up there. That's but he just got handed an early Christmas gift on how to motivate <laughs> some, some young kids for oh, yeah. eight months. If you watch that video, if you watch that video from yesterday morning, uh, I think that's kind of it tells you all you need to know. Um, yeah. And that would like like D was kind of touching on. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, like. I, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna bottom line is we need some help this weekend, right? But like, mm-hmm. if if we got in, if we got in and we played Georgia in the first round as the four seed, I think that's probably the team that Georgia would want to face the least, given that we've given them two good games in the past with fairly similar rosters, and that we're probably gonna be the biggest, we have best motivated to lose, nothing, nothing to lose, to lose. and we're yeah. and we're angrier and pissed off than anybody else around. Like, if I'm Georgia, if I'm Kirby Smart. I'd be pretty angry if, if if they drew us in the first round. Yeah. Uh, maybe that's a bit, that's a bit self centered, and maybe that's very Notre Dame centric, and and maybe I'm blowing it out of proportion. But I, I try to be as objective as possible and say, like, damn, like if I'm Georgia, there's one team I don't want to play right now, um, because they're just because they're playing with absolutely nothing to lose, uh, and uh, and are, are playing angry football or will be playing angry football. So, yeah, I agree. All right, you know. We, we've spent a good amount of time talking about this. Um, I think, you know, what, what really is there to talk about with the Stanford game? Like, that feels like a season ago. Feels like it's not too ago. much. It, it was the same thing we've seen the last couple of weeks. Notre Dame was a better team. They executed. Like, sure, a couple fourth quarter long plays. Like, whatever. Like, it, it we was. Got, the, the big things are that A, we covered, B, that Kyron crossed the thousand, and C, that Mayer got the got the receptions record those those are the big things to take away right like what happens in the second half of the stanford game that is is so inconsequential on everything else it really doesn't matter so kudos to us i think what we'd probably be better off focusing on here is unfortunately the hire that usc made um i'm very angry about brian kelly I'm very worried about what happened at Southern Cal. Yeah, USC did the first thing right that they've done in a long time. Yep. Like, it was first kind of nice having time. them. Like, they were just dead in the water for a little bit. Clay Helton, nice guy. Nice guy. Not Good guy. I wish he coach. stayed. Not he was like a lame duck coach for three years. <laughs> it yeah, was, it was great. They, they got it <laughs> damn right. They got it right. I mean, Lincoln Riley did the same thing that BK did in Notre Dame. Like, he just up and left. But this one again makes more like culture wise makes sense. Like he is gonna be I think he's gonna have a lot of success there very quickly, and that makes this rivalry juicy. Hey, we're back on. I mean, like look, I I would rather kick the living share to USC every year. But yeah. hell, it'll be it'll be fun it'll be fun to be back on. It does yeah. it makes recruiting, it makes our recruiting job harder. Way harder. Um, it makes things harder on the field and off the field recruiting-wise. Like, we had more success in California in recent years than we probably should have had. 
Uh, like we we stole Foskey. Is it Foskey from West Coast? He's from NorCal, so a little different, but yeah. No, still. we've had we've had we've had good grip on Modern Day and some of the other Southern Cal schools there. Obviously, Buckner came out of La Jolla, um, yeah. So like, there are we've definitely dipped into that talent pool. Um, I'm not saying that Buckner would have been the USC quarterback, but it's tough to say that Cliff King. Um, sorry, not Cliff Kingsbury. That uh, what's his face? I oh wow! Lincoln, Lincoln Riley wouldn't have kicked the, wouldn't have kicked the tires on Buckner. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's scary. They're going to have dudes on offense. I mean, they've always done had dudes, but not with Lincoln Riley coaching them. A guy right. who is basically sh- like shit out number one picks and Heisman winners. Yeah, as an offensive coordinator and head coach. So I mean, it makes it yeah. a lot scarier. I mean, we're probably like unless Oregon picks it up another notch we're going to be the biggest their schedule every year because they're playing in the Pac-12 they'll just be throttling the Arizonas and the Oregons of the world Oregon states of the world although Oregon state did beat them this year which is once again thank you Clay Helton <laughs> but yeah I mean I guess you kind of see it for Lincoln Riley is like it's an easier place one it's an easier conference Pac-12 SEC and Two, I mean, if you just draw a 50-mile radius around L.A., once again, you can build an elite roster there. Yeah. Yeah, I also think that, like, I think it's the same, but it's different for Lincoln Riley here where, um, hey, it's, it really sounds like the administration in, in Norman made the decision to go to the SEC without consulting him. Like that, from all indicators, they decided they were going to go chase a TV bag with the SEC and did not consult the guy who coaches their football team. And that really bothered him. And I can't really say I blame him. There's also the point where it says, okay, Lincoln Riley's running from the, running from the SEC, which is fair, but like he can go win 10, 11, 12 games every year at USC for as long as he wants. And when push comes to shove, like I think he would have been the problem. I think Oklahoma probably should, stacking up to be in the four, five, six range of the SEC. Um, years where they'll jump up, but also years where they'll be below that. Yeah. He'll, be the, he'll be the top dog in the Pac-12, and especially if this playoff expands where AQs matter, he could go 9-3, and three, win the Pac-12, and get in, right? Yep. There's something to be said for that. He goes 9-3 and three in the SEC, he's going to have to rely on an, on an at-large bid, and teams like Notre Dame will be stealing at-large bids. Teams like the at the Big Ten East runner-up will be stealing at large bids, right? If two Pat, Big Twelve teams are good, they'll be stealing at large bids. So, I think there is a certain uh, there is a certain security for for Lincoln going at SC. Also, he was recruiting the shit at at LA, anyways. Yeah. McC- uh, Malachi Nelson, right? Is that his name? Out of out of Los yep. Al? Shout out, Cam. Yeah, out of Los just, just 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 flipped. So like there. Yeah, bingo. Exhibit A. He was good. he was going to Oklahoma. And now he's going with Lincoln Riley. So, um, who else? LA is to? LA is LA too. Like, yeah, it's a sleeping it's a sleeping giant. Yeah, I will say too. The, Bud Elliott mentioned this in the Cover Three podcast. He was talking about how a lot of coaches committed, a lot of kids committed to committed to Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, not necessarily committing to Oklahoma. Um, which is why you're going to see a lot of flips. Whereas I think a lot of the kids for Notre Dame commit. Yeah. And this is, I don't think this is everywhere. I think this is pretty 
uh, pretty specific to Notre Dame, but I think kids commit to Notre Dame to commit to Notre Dame. Um, mm-hmm. And that's why you haven't seen a mass like this as well as like you're seeing with Oklahoma. So while I think if there is similarities between Kelly and, 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 and Riley, I do think there are some major key differences as well that kind of separate yeah. what happened. Yeah. What's what's the what's the bigger what's the, what's the biggest what's the biggest change for Notre Dame? Is it losing Kelly or Riley going to USC? What 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 causes the biggest effect? If we keep I Freeman, think, if we keep Freeman, it's it's Riley. Yeah. Yeah. And if we replace a Matt Campbell there, like it's it's Kelly. But yeah, I, I, I agree with Ian. I I will say too one one last point on this is that if we if USC starts to do really well and we stay at the level we're at. Um, those games, we're gonna. Those games are gonna mean a lot because there's a f- pretty big chance that it means we could be pseudo Pac-12 champions. champions. Yeah, which which would mean something. Again, we're probably not gonna get an AQ ever, and I'm not expecting one. It's kind of the price you pay for being independent. But it'd be nice to have uh, have a, have a pseudo Power Five champ on your resume, right? Yep. Yeah, I agree. And just another domino from this Oklahoma situation is that uh, Venables is getting by far the most smoke to Oklahoma. Talk about Clemson. He's been the cornerstone of that Clemson program, that defense that's been insane for the last eight years now. You know, if he leaves, that's huge it's, for Clemson. It's, like, it's so funny the dominoes that have fallen in the last few weeks and what kind of led to – led to this debacle on Monday night. Like, uh, you know, it, yeah. it's not – I'm not saying it's Gary Patterson getting fired, but, like, you could probably draw a line, whether it's straight or whether it's in a roundabout way, that says Gary Patterson got fired at TCU, and that was the that was the domino that started causing some other big dominoes to fall. Yeah, I agree. All right, there is still football to be played this year. Um, Notre Dame sitting at number six. You know, usually we start out by talking rankings. Um, obviously, there was a lot more to talk about with regard to Notre Dame football. Uh, I think the path is pretty damn clear. We know who we need to root for. We need help. And the reason we need help is because yeah, we did lose to Cincinnati. Um, basically, we need two or four things to happen. Actually, we need one and then one of three things to happen. One is Georgia beating Alabama. I still don't see a two-loss Crimson Tide team with how unimpressive they've been. They haven't been throttled. Like, it's not like they've been, for example, like everyone was saying Ohio State, blah, blah, blah. Like, Ohio State was throttling teams before they lost to Michigan. They Alabama wasn't really looking like that. No, they. The I, I agree. And I, I think I mentioned a couple times, like, Texas A&M is not good. They lost again. Yeah. Um, they should have lost to Auburn. God, that hurt. They, that hurt yeah, that so sucked. Bad. But that, that, that to, to your point of the way about the way they looked, like they have they've shown chinks in the armor on both sides, right? Like, yeah, people are. I don't think Auburn secondary is good. I don't they think cannot defensive run the line played played they awesome. They can't run the ball. Their their O line yeah. has not been O line to the past. Offense great running back. Offense and they just cannot run the ball, killing them on the offensive side of the ball. But then also they gave up a whole boatload of points to Arkansas. Yeah, right. Like yeah. like it's it's been happening on both sides. They gave up a boatload of points to Texas A and M. So. Yes, they're at what eleven and one or ten and one, like no eleven and one, right? Eleven and one, eleven and one. Yep. I, I think, I still think that Georgia is the more complete team. Uh, but yeah, you're right. We need we need Georgia, and then we need one of the following of of those three results to fall. Yep. Our way. So it's 
Cincinnati losing to Houston now. I mean, Cincinnati fans will complain about like maybe Notre Dame should be in ahead of them. I just don't really see it, honestly. That's why um, Michigan State you know, should be up there, right? Like, yeah, given how well we've played in the second half of the season, I think the committee has, and everyone really across college football has kind of seen that. Um, what else? We need Big Ten, Iowa we, we need, to beat Michigan. We need Iowa to beat Michigan, and we need mm-hmm. Baylor. We don't need all of these. Baylor. We need, we need one, Baylor. one. One plus Georgia. One plus Georgia. Yep. I think we're good. I mean, you know, all three, you know, Oklahoma State, Cincinnati, and Michigan are all favored by close-ish to double digits, you know, give or take. Um, but, I mean, one of the three, then Georgia takes care of business. And if Georgia, like, we're rooting for Georgia to also throttle Bama. That's the best yeah, possible. Yeah, the bigger margin, the bigger margin, the better for us. Like a I, double overtime game, you know, then people are starting to talk. But Out of those three games, Cincinnati – Michigan and Oklahoma State. Which do you guys think is the most likely to lose? Oklahoma State. I think so too. I think so too. But we need, but we, are, need Jer- we need Jerry Bohannon to play. Yeah, is he questionable? Yeah, yeah. Missed, he missed last heard. week. Yeah. All right. Well, that's bad news. Um, Iowa is a dud. They're a dud. Like, yeah. I got. I got. I mean, who like, knows? Co-workers who are Iowa fans like, oh, if we see Iowa for the first six weeks, like, what was Iowa for the first six weeks? Lucky? They weren't. They weren't impressive. Yeah, they were just lucky. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah Sean so, Clifford broke his ribs, or else you're losing that. Like, okay, the that. Iowa team that the Iowa team that beat a bad Maryland team, sure, maybe. Yeah, but unless um, like Michigan, like I- Iowa needs to play an Iowa game where they're just causing turnovers, blocking punts, like. If that stuff happens, and it needs to happen early because it's not going to be like Nebraska where they're still going to be in the game. Like, if they give Michigan slack, like, I think they can start churning clock with a run game. You know, we saw it last week at Ohio State. I mean, they got a lead and just kept it. And, but yeah, you're going to have to edit this out. Force, if you force Michigan to pass the ball, like, I think you're in a much better spot. If I'm them, I'm making Cade McNamara beat me. Yeah, yeah. You know my you know my thoughts on K McNamara. I'm making K McNamara beat me. Dado, can you edit this out afterwards? But like, uh, maybe Michigan Michigan looks pretty good to be honest. Mm. I mean, yeah, their O line and run game like that was you know physicality that we haven't seen out of that team. I guess probably since uh-uh. 2019. That was, Notre Dame that was a Josh. That was a Josh Gaddis like validation game. No worries. Because yeah. he's also- just been pounding the rock for like. Three years now with no success, and then he just did that to Ohio State just by running all over him. Like it they got yeah. clicked. It finally clicked to what he wanted to be, and it's not a modern offense by any means, but it worked. They they pumped Ohio State up front. They on both sides of the football, Ohio State got their lunch handed to him, um, and that was pretty frustrating to watch. As Ohio State took it home. I hated it. I hated every yeah. single second of it. But they have. But Ohio State has nobody blamed themselves. They had the talent. They had the talent. Um, outside, they just didn't feel like being physical in Ann Arbor on Saturday, and it showed. Five mm-hmm. touchdowns for Hassan Haskins, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. knowing that, one that team can't happen. Here, I know on on Saturday, knowing that there had to be a team that win the game. I know you guys disagree with this take, but one, this helps Notre Dame because I do think ultimately Ohio State versus Iowa versus Michigan versus Iowa. I think Iowa has a better shot of being Michigan. And two, for me, growing up in Ohio and dealing with Ohio State fans my entire life, 
Um, and they're just kind of the worst people. Like Columbus, like that's not going to be a Georgia road game for us where people are nice. Those people are fucking assholes. Yeah. And okay, seeing yes, them. The so pain, I understand. I understand you hate them. Whatever. And like it's great. The news pain for of seeing the pain of seeing Michigan win was less than the joy of seeing Ohio State lose in that fashion. Okay. Sure. I wasn't happy. My take on it. My take on it. This is like we are always geographically competing recruiting wise against Ohio state and Michigan recently we've kind of only competed for a lot of people with just Ohio state because Michigan's been a little bit down, Like they still have taken some people from us, but we've stolen more from them. If they're both good, that's another team to compete with. Like it helps us if what only one of them is good. Like I agree. I also agree with that. I think there's merit. There's merit to both sides of that. I, I personally have a, a major distaste for Michigan and I've made that pretty clear. Yeah. I mean, I so that's your mind. Yeah. Everything I think about them winning. I hate, them I hate everything about And that the road is there for them. They're going to get it. Like if chalk holds, they get Iowa and then Cincinnati to go to the national championship. <laughs> that's disgusting. Yeah. That's a joke. But all right. Here's hoping chalk doesn't hold. So obviously we, we didn't touch on a lot of other things that happened last weekend. Like Bedlam was a great game and whatnot, but given it's already Wednesday, uh, I think it's better that we spend some time doing a preview for this weekend's games. Um, obviously, we, we kind of started that already, but do you guys want to make some picks? Sure. Or do you want, or do you want to touch it? Bedlam result yeah. hurt us. It hurt us. It did hurt us. The Bedlam result definitely, definitely hurt us. We definitely wanted Oklahoma there. But um, but, uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. Now now we, we have our work cut out for us. We're going to need some help this week. Um, I'm just going to make it easier for the listeners. If you need to remember what we need to happen this week, look at my picks. I'm just going all homer this week. I'm not putting anything. I'm, I'm going all homer for what exactly the Irish need to have happen. Fair. Sounds good to me. All right, T. What do we want to hit SEC first? So I actually, I actually have them in order of when they're going to happen. Um, so okay. we're just going to start. We're going to start Friday night from Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas for Pac-12 Championship. It's number ten Oregon against number seventeen Utah. Uh, Utah won the Pac-12 South. Utah is two and a half point favorites. This game's at eight p.m. on ABC. Um, who do you guys like in this one? I mean, we were kind of watching that Utah Oregon game. Like, I don't know how Oregon. What's the line? It's it, Utah's favored by two and a half. Oh, give me Utah. I mean, like that game was just—they were just so physical. Like, yeah, I don't—I don't see Oregon really, really bouncing were. back from that. And I, I see—I see Utah winning by about seven to ten. Mm-hmm. Ian, I picked Oregon yeah, last, you- so I'll probably be wrong. Give me the Utes. Uh, this one doesn't really matter for us all that much, but I think that's kind of fun to see Utah win it. This matters for the Rose Bowl. That's what that matters for. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take Oregon. Um, I really like the running back guy. Uh, I, I can't believe I'm betting on Anthony Brown, but I'm gonna do it. Um, I just think I, I originally I always said that this this when this happened the way it did that this series was gonna get split one one, and I think Oregon has a pretty good chance at winning this outright. Um, I think Utah was definitely the beneficiary of playing that game in Salt Lake City. Um, they had the home crowd behind them. It was an awesome atmosphere. You're right. They did They did really bully them up front. But 
Uh, I think Oregon will change that, and hopefully for their sake, some of their defense, Oregon's defensive linemen are, are a bit healthier as well. Um, but I'll take the Ducks. Pot, lead, lead me to the promised land, Puddles, here. Um, let's hope it happens. All right, the next game we're going to look at is the Big 12 Championship. This is the game we were just touching on earlier. Uh, this game is 12, 12 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Central time from Arlington, Texas, from AT&T Stadium. The number nine Baylor Bears are five and a half point dogs to the number five Oklahoma State, uh, Oklahoma State Cowboys. So, who do you guys got in this one? Again, need really hope Jerry Bohannon plays in this one for the sake of Notre Dame. Baylor. It's got to be Baylor. It's got to be Baylor. <laughs> I, I can't bring myself to like say like I think they're going to like everything in my mind is like this is destiny for Notre Dame to make the playoff. Like. Every game is going to go our way this weekend, in my mind. I sure hope you're both right. Uh, well, I, I hope you're both right. Ian, go ahead. If it happens, it's going to be a low-scoring game. It's going to have to be. Yep. It's going to have to look exactly what Oklahoma, what the Oklahoma-Baylor game looked like. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I am going with Oklahoma State. Um, we really, really need Jerry Bohannon to be 100%. I just don't know if he's going to be. Uh, so Oklahoma State defense is pretty good. As much as, like, I think Notre Dame can be a team of destiny, I think Oklahoma State can be a team of destiny, too, given Mike Gundy hasn't gotten here before. Um, I, again, I really I really want – in both games I've picked so far, I want Baylor and I want Utah to win. I just think it's going to be – I think Oklahoma State's going to pull this one out. Um, again, low-scoring low fair. It sucks that they got to play at 11, 11 a.m. local time. That's, that's yeah. a shitty time for a conference championship game, but nobody asked me. Um, all right, the next game we're going to is the SEC Championship. This game will be at 4 p.m. Eastern on CBS. Uh, the number one Georgia Bulldogs are favored by six and a half over the number three Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, which game do you guys want to pick the over? Do you guys want to pick the total in this game or the Pitt Wake Forest game? Pit Wake Forest. Pit Just, Wake Forest. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's so going to we'll be a, go, that's yeah, gonna be a big that's, number. Yeah. It is. All right, so we'll go number one, Georgia, against number three, Alabama. Georgia, six-and-a-half-point dogs. I'm sorry, six-and-a-half-point favorites, which Alabama travels well, but the game's in Atlanta, so take that into account as well. There's a good chance it's a Georgia home game. Yeah. Um, go we all have consensus on this one? Yeah. So, no, yeah, I'm going to give a little more analysis on this. Like, the, the, yeah. This is also the first time Alabama's been an underdog since 2015. Yep. Um. They're not always great with the spread, though. Like, people love Alabama against the spread, and I think Vegas makes a lot of money on that. Like, and this is yeah. a stinky line because I would have thought it'd be bigger. I would have thought it'd be a bigger, bigger line because Bama is not that great. Georgia has shown a lot of good things, and I think Stetson Bennett is like a little bit better than we give him credit for. Um, and, and can put up some numbers behind this run game. I think it might be close for a little bit, but I think Georgia pulls away. And Kirby, like, they're rarely top dogs against Alabama. And now they are clearly top dogs, and they're going to take advantage of it. So I think it's going to be 28-17. Um, all right, we'll give a quick analysis. I think Georgia – I think Georgia wins this game. So, Ian, I'm sorry, you took Georgia to cover or no? Yeah, 28-17 okay. Georgia. That's 28-17. I think – sorry, I was reading a tweet here. Um so Georgia, I think Georgia's going to win the football game. Uh, I think Stetson Bennett's been playing really, really well. Uh, this defense is unbelievable. And like we talked about earlier, Alabama has its flaws, man. Like this offensive line has struggled. This defense has struggled at times. Saban knows this team is not 
as good as as team's best, and um, I think he's kind of taken you know getting as many wins here, collecting as many wins as he could before he had to get get to this one. Um, Kirby Kirby's a motivated coach. I really think that that Georgia rolls here, and Ian, like you said, like there's a re- the reason this number is at six and a half. I also like it on, it's, that we're we're not we're getting this hook too, but the reason it's six and a half and not higher is because people love Benton Alabama, which is which I just don't think is a great idea here. Uh, we'll take a brief pause here to say that. Um, per Mick Asaf, um, he can now confirm through multiple sources that Marcus Freeman will be the, the next head coach of the University of Notre Dame. So, thank you, Mick. Um, he just had he had one source on Monday night, so now he's got yeah, sources. He, he's got multiple sources. Um, <laughs> Whatever, I got to smile on my face either way. That is, yeah. That, I mean, got like that is super. If I think it's gonna happen, like I think it's pretty confirmed at this point. Like, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. Come oh. on now. Oh, I just saw a um, – I, I forget if it was Ken Rosenthal or John Lane, but I saw a blue check mark tweet signed Marcus because they're talking about Marcus. I saw a blue check mark tweeting someone something about a Marcus, and I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, so no, I'm going right. to wait till we get a blue check mark here. Uh, you're right, you're right. Samson, Fortuna, or somebody of the like, but that's what Nick tweeted, so take that for what you will. Uh, let's move on. The next one we're going to look at is the Big Ten Championship game uh, from Indianapolis. Uh, this is the number two Michigan Wolverines and the number 13 Iowa Hawkeyes. Michigan is favored by 11. Uh, this game is at 8 p.m. on Fox on Saturday night. I, I'm actually – yeah, okay. I'm actually going to stray a little – I'm going to stray a little bit here. I will be rooting with every fiber of my being for Iowa – I just don't think it's a good matchup. It's a terrible matchup. D? Hawkeyes. They, they make this game insanely stupid. Somehow it starts early. I know it's fucking inside. I wish this game was outside in Big Ten. Oh, my God. Can you the, imagine? Yeah. I, w- I really wish it was outside. Unfortunately, they got to play it in the Dome. This won't be – actually, this will be the only time – the last time a Big Ten team steps foot in that stadium this year in the Hawkeyes – not only cover, but they win. If you're betting, yeah. if you're betting on the Hawkeyes, like your only reasoning has to be like you're betting on Jim Harbaugh to fuck it up. Like he's so close, but to fumble this, he's got like yeah. you're on. you're praying for stupidity. Um, yeah, I'm gonna take the Hawkeyes as well because I swore to myself I'd never put the block M on my pick line, um, and that's not starting today. Um, yeah, do with fuck, give me the Hawkeyes. Give me the Hawkeyes. I don't want that shit on cool. my. Yeah, I don't, cool. I don't want that. So we're all on the guys. I think if if you listen to this podcast and you really, really are in the business of making money, you should listen very closely uh, and me. read between the lines. <laughs> and read between the lines here. But I am not putting the block M on my line. Let's go, Hawkeyes. Come on, Kirk Ferry. Yeah. Do it one time for me. I cannot believe I'm betting on Spencer Petrus or putting Spencer Petrus <laughs> in, in, in my pick. But Jesus, I'm doing it. Um, all right. The big the big grand finale of the day, 8 p.m. on ABC. I'm sure all eyes will be on this one. Uh, Pitt and Wake Forest, number 15 Pitt and number 16 Wake Forest from Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. Pitt is a three-point favorite, and the total is 71 and a half. Uh, Ooh, that total is getting that total is getting a blur out of the water. Yeah, that's about yeah. to be a first half. To, that should, like, sounds like a first half over. Yeah, for that game. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to go Demon Deacons in their home state. I think Dave Clawson, you know, gets it done. I don't know. I, I think I think it's kind of almost. I guess it's almost like a dream season for both teams. The fact that they could win an ACC title during the run Clemson's had. Right. Um. But I, I honestly think that we could see. I mean, we're going to see a shitload of points. I trust Sam Hartman in the offense to just score a little more. You know, I, I haven't really watched a ton of Pitt. I know Jordan Addison's the guy who's the finalist for the Boletnikov. He might have 200 yards and three touchdowns. But I, I think this would just be a fun way to kind of cap off the night, maybe throw it on the second TV if you want to see points. Like, this would be a fun one. So you're going over 2D? Yeah. Going Great. Wake Forest in the over. Ian? It's Beth Waller's birthday. Um, actually, she's in Barcelona, so I think it's probably not her birthday anymore. But it's her big 21st. <laughs> And I think the Deeks are going to get it done for and win an ACC championship, which would be awesome. That's I, I'm going to watch this game. Like, it's going to be fun. I'm going to watch this game. I'm going to take it, it over. I think it's going to be awesome. really, really fun. I, I mean, yeah. I genuinely do. I just with, – with the implications that other games have, I think it's going to be tough for me to say main screen. But I really want to get eyes on this, too. Like, it'll be a really fun game. These, these teams are playing – although it might not mean much to, to everybody else, these teams are playing for something for themselves. Um, and there is something to be said for that. Like I, th- I think that yeah, I can't wait to see this will be like a real true uh, shootout here between uh, Kenny Pickett and Sam Hartman. Um, I'm going to go with Kenny Pickett. I think he's got one more, one more chance to kind of, he's not one of the Heisman. Uh, I, I, they might not give the Heisman out this year, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's not one of the Heisman, but he does have a draft draft audition. Um, and one last draft audition in, uh, in an NFL stadium here. Um, so I'm gonna go pit and I'm gonna take the over. Um, also, right, there... this could be, ahead, this dude. could be a preview of if Notre Dame is to be left out. The this could be a preview of our bowl matchup. This could be. A I think that it, it's highly matchup. likely we end up in the peach against the ACC. I think if we're left out, so keep note of that. Yep. Yep. Um, all right. All right. I was really hoping for news to break during this pod, man. I know. I keep we're refreshing. close. We got we, we're close. We're we close. got one. We got one. We thing might left. have we might have to hop back on, yeah. Um, later tonight, if anything comes up. So, yeah. Um, you all right? So let's uh let's talk about group of five locks real quick. Does anybody have a group of five lock for this week? So you could pick any of the group of five games. Ooh, let me. Um, I, I I need some time. I have I have mine. So if you guys want to review yours, you can. I got I got App State. App State, yeah. Is that even App State, five? yes, absolutely. Yeah. App, App, App State, App, uh, App State, Louisiana in the Sun Belt game. App State's favored by three. You're going to take App State by three. I am. Yeah, three. I mean, ULL just lost Billy Napier. Um, like it's tough to, I just kind of defeating a little bit, and App State's got their shit together. So I'm going with App State. Cool. Does this count as a group of five? USC mm-hmm. Cal. No, <laughs> it doesn't. Championship game. They're playing. USC. USC is dead. I'm taking Cal there. Um, that that's going to be the last game of the night at 11 p.m. 11 um, p.m. I'm not going to pick that. I'm sorry, D. Damn it. I can um, I can rip mine. I can rip mine if you want to keep looking. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to take the Aztecs. I'm going to take San Diego State in the Mountain West title game. That game is at. It was at 3 o'clock on Fox that will be preceding the Big Ten Championship game. Uh, I watched San Diego State last week against Boise. They absolutely rolled. Uh, they're 11-1. and one. They got the best punter in the country. Uh, punters are people, too. Uh, we love our specialists here. 
Uh, I'll go. I'll go eleven one San Diego State to cover six against Utah State. Okay. I'm gonna stay. In, I'm gonna stay in that game, Tom. And yep. something's telling me under fifty. Under fifty. Yeah. Longest punt over seventy five. Yeah. 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 Longest punt. Oh my punt god, dude! I hope longest punt over. Chance to nuke the ball. Um, let's see. Oops. Hold on, D. All right. So you're gonna go over in that game. Under. And it's fifty. I'm sorry. You said under fifty. Yep. Okay. Sorry. I feel it. Trying to type it out here. Okay. <laughs> feel it. Feel it in your loins here. <laughs> like, just just got a feeling. Campion just sent us a tweet. Let's see what it is. Can't see it. It's not loading for me. I'm getting too many tweets. Wait. Be wary. Be wary about. No, it's pay. It's it's hashtag PayPal Ratman. Pale white rat man. Okay, that's our guy from DCO. Um, where? Why have we not heard from Swarbrick and Scott Woodward that we have a home and home? Uh, see, I so I I made the decision of as to when this home and home is going to be. Um, the cowards in at Louisiana at Louisiana State University are playing Grambling State on September 9th of twenty twenty three, and we have an open day that day. So I, for one, would love if they could not pay Grambling State a million dollars and play a real school that day, um, and we have to be open. So there's my proposal. Let's see what everybody else thinks. Yeah, I'm fine with that. 2023, Buckner's junior year. Yep. Styles Colsey on the outside with hopefully C.J. Williams and Tobias Merriweather, but we'll see. Yeah, That'd be hopefully, cool. Hopefully. Yeah, my fingers are crossed there. Maybe Kevin Austin will still be there. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, we got a we got a we got a big recap to do on on who's who's staying, who's going in, in yeah. that aspect. But that will uh, we can cut that'll be that'll be a later date. All right, fellas. Spotify uh, Spotify wrap day today. Just want to say thank you to all our listeners. We uh, yeah. we had yep. four thousand weekly listeners. Crazy numbers. <laughs> that's uh, that's a big that's a big out. number. Good good for us. Honestly. Yeah, we showed out in Ireland. I guess not surprising, but uh, yeah, numbers over there. So thank you to all our listeners. Uh, all right, all right fellas. Let's hope. Let's hope we get some good news in the next hour or two here. Uh, maybe we'll hop back on. Maybe we'll just do another Instagram live. But uh, let's uh, let's let's hope for some good news here, which I think we're I think is going to come. Just hasn't come yet. Yes, Go Jack Swarbrick. Go Marcus Freeman. Go Tommy Reese. Pay the man. Pay Tommy hey, Reese. Get Marcus hey, Freeman. Pay Tommy Reese. Keep Marcus Freeman. Let's do it, boys. Let's do it. All right, fellas. Talk to you soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon.